Hello and welcome to another episode of Seeking First. I am your hostess, Shayna Harvey, and uh, I am from Insight Total Stewardship, a faith and finance company. And we are still in our series on the kingdom, uh, but I have a very special guest with me today, uh, one Miss Carrie Campbell. Say hi. Hi there. So, now, who is Carrie Campbell? Well, first and foremost, I know her, or I have known her since 1990. Uh, so we are going on 30 years now Yikes. of friendship <laughs> since junior high school. Um, and uh, she is, uh, well, yeah, she's seen me, I guess, in 30 years worth of stuff that we've experienced, 30 years worth of iterations of Shayna Harvey, um, formerly Lear. So she knew me, Shayna Lear, longer than Shayna Harvey. Um, but I invited her on the show today because uh, I wanted to continue our discussion about the kingdom. But I've had, so far, I've only had on guests who are ministers, pastors in that capacity. And I wanted to talk about the kingdom from the perspective of someone who's not looking at it from a seminary lens, somebody who uh, is a believer, somebody who um, can carry a theological conversation, but also as a layperson as well. And we'll see the, the practical application um, of these texts as such. So wanted her to come on. I'll tell you a little bit more about her. She, she worked for the government. I do. <laughs> she is a chief, actually, at the government. So she's actually in charge of some things uh, at the Department of Defense. Um, and she is from Philadelphia and attended the best high school in Philly, uh, which is named Central, which you probably remember from our second episode uh, that my husband referred to as, I think the word was cultish. Yes, I found it mildly offensive, but we love you, Fred. Yeah. So, um, but anyway, so we went to high school together, Central High School. She is also an alumna of Hampton University. Um, the real HU. They call that the real HU. Yes. Uh, in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, she also has a master's from Central Michigan University. Correct. Is that right? Um, so she got some edumacation. Just a little bit. Just a little. A little bit. Um, but we... Wanted her to come on the show and bless us with her gifts and talents <laughs> here as she rolls her eyes uh, for me. But thank you, Carrie, for coming. Happy to be here. Thanks for asking. Uh, technically, uh, I actually came to her because we're actually in her house right now. Um, but um, she agreed to do this with me uh, on the show. And uh, anything you want to tell the people? No, I'm happy to be here and, of course, support any effort of Insight and Shana specifically. Um, I think this makes for an interesting topic, so I'm interested to see where we land. Indeed. Uh, and might I also mention, I forgot to mention initially, that Carrie's also a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. That is a fact. Uh, Gamma Iota. Absolutely, Hampton University. Hampton University. Um, and this in itself is one of the one of God's miracles because I am a member of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, um, Delta Mu chapter. And somehow, point. in spite of it all, <laughs> we 
we remain the dearest of friends. Yes. So for 30 years, almost, we have remained friends, even through our uh, differences in sorority choice and uh, Christ being at the center uh, helps out. That's right? a great way to tie it. <laughs> Keep we Christ go. first. Keep Christ first. Yes. And you too can be friends with someone in another sorority for an extended period. <laughs> goal. Hashtag goals. Hashtag goals. Uh, uh, Carrie was also made of honor in my wedding. So uh, thank you for um, being here again. So without further ado, let's get into today's topic. We're actually going to be talking um, a little bit about something uh, that I think is a really interesting topic when it comes to separating those who are in the kingdom and not in the kingdom, specifically as scripture calls this out. Um, because I don't think we, in a universal sense, we like to think that everybody's going to get in. Everybody's in the kingdom. Everybody has access to the kingdom all, all as well. But scripture speaks of something a little bit differently. And we want to talk a little bit about some of the attributes of those who are in the kingdom and those who are not. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, um, looking at uh, verse 31 through, uh, where's the end here? 46. 46. Okay. 31 to 46. So if you have your Bible, come follow along with us as we explore this chapter and talking about the final judgment. Matthew 25, yeah, Matthew 25, 31 through 46. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture. So let's hear what it says. Okay, Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And he will separate people one from another as, shepherd, as a separate separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me. Naked and you did not clothe me, sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer saying, 
Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Well, that certainly is a uh, a difficult scripture, I would say. Certainly not going to shout to glory on that one. Yeah, you don't get a whole lot of shouts and amens uh, reading that one, talking about eternal punishment and uh, eternal life. But I'm curious to see what what is it that you see in this scripture? What stands out to you? So um, I've certainly heard this scripture several times over the years. Um, Preachers have preached about it. You read it in Sunday school, Bible study, or what have you. But as I was reading it to prepare for our get together for the show, what popped up to me was when you get down to about verse 40, and I'm reading, I'm, I'm looking at the NIV Bible, but they're essentially the same. And it says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. And that popped out for me, not in a, oh, surprise, guys, it was me Mm. and you didn't do it. But I thought about the times where there's an opportunity to be a blessing to someone, perhaps when you're waiting at a light and someone's asking for money or they're holding a sign or you're walking down a city street and someone's asking for food or just what, whatever the situation is. And we may feel conflicted or judgmental, quite honestly, to say mm-hmm. that person is not deserving or this person is. And, you know, me making a judgment call on who's worthy of my quote, good deed. Mm-hmm. And that's that verse um, in the scripture 40, where he says, you did it for me. That's kind of a, a gut check, you know, in, in my judgmentalness to not give to someone, perhaps I would have been more inclined if I was looking for the Christ in them or seeing Christ in them. It's a little more difficult to turn somebody away in that space. So and, I, and there are situations where people are uncomfortable with, you know, how do I approach helping somebody? Do I just give them money? Do I just give them food? Will they be insulted? Am I in a dangerous situation? Mm-hmm. But I think one, if we're guided by Christ, he's going to lead us to who, who he wants us to help. But beyond that, if you struggle with that, it may be more, it may help us if we're looking for the Christ in them. Right. And what do you think um, Christ looks like in people? Like, what does that mean? On a very pragmatic level, I think it's humanizing people. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about our differences so often and how we're different. Mm-hmm. And we tend to help the people that we feel like we're on the same side of the road with. We share their struggle. We There's some, mm-hmm. I can connect, I can relate to you. And ideally, we should be doing that outside of our cultural or social socioeconomical uh, pockets, if you will. And if we're humanizing them, mm-hmm. we're humanizing across the board in the, the sense of the human race, if you will. That's a very general approach, but it's finding the connection in the person where you're stepping out of that judgmental place. They're a real mm-hmm. person. They're in a tight spot. 
And even if they're not, this is just an opportunity for me to be a blessing because Mm -hmm. you and I talked about earlier, it may be that that person's sole purpose right now is just to see if I'm willing to give. Mm -hmm. Right. It could definitely be. And I think there's, you know, when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about um, entering into space. Jesus said in the foundation of this podcast is seek it first. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And he's telling us very specifically of what it looks like at the end when all of this is done. Um, This I find very interesting that this is what he brings up. The stuff that we did to the least of these on the earth is what he's articulating as something in the final judgment that's going to matter. So much so that not doing it results in eternal punishment and eternal condemnation. Um, That no matter how haughty-taughty we are in this world, no matter how good we think we are in this life, at the end of the day, how we treat the least of these in our society, in our life, um, actually matters to God. And I think that that is something that we want to to be aware of when it comes to the kingdom, um, because we do step over people all the time um, and for a lot of different reasons. Um, and there is this tension to say, what what are we actually doing for the least of these? So when you think about um, in life, uh, in, in your life, in society in general, who would you categorize as fitting into this category uh, as the least of these? I think that it depends, which is a horrible answer to a question. <laughs> but um, but it's true, though. Right. I think it does depend. It, it may. It really may depend on that day, on that situation. Mm-hmm. What baggage am I bringing to the table that day? Mm-hmm. You know, it may be the person who's at stoplight asking for money. Mm-hmm. It may be the opportunity to donate to an organization that's making a large ask. It mm-hmm. may be, am I willing to part with these clothes to donate them? You know, mm-hmm. am I willing to, you know, put my hands in, into the dirt and, and help with whatever the project is? So I think it happens on different levels, but it if we're if there's if there's some vulnerability or place in our heart for some actions or positions that Christ is not pleased with, it's this space where I've decided I'm better than. Mm, yeah. Or it could be there's there's the risk of that. Mm-hmm. But if I could, I wanted to go back to something you said earlier that focusing on the least of these. Uh, I think we hear that all of the time in church and. For years, the church has talked about servant leadership. And I think in my professional life, just in the last 10, 15 years, you're hearing more and more about this approach for servant leadership. Like it's this new age thing. And I kind (laughs) of chuckle about that. Mm -hmm. Um, The preacher says that every Sunday. Or you really talk about that because in their leadership position for the church, you know, in that likeness to Christ being the head of our the church, big T, the church, mm-hmm. they're a shepherd. Right. And taking care of their sheep. And so there is a, there's a, a cultural spirit, uh, not a cultural spirit, a cultural awareness or practice of servant leadership. And I think now it's happening in the, um, in the professional world as well. But that least of these is a big part of servant leadership. So mm-hmm. like you said, no matter, yeah. 
what title you have, you know, what levels of accomplishment you reach or how many letters are behind your name. When it's all said and done, back to the scripture in chapter 25, this is what's important. Mm-hmm. And it's the least of these. So that mm-hmm. to me, that just I just thought about that. That's very servant leadership like. And right. it doesn't servant leadership is not reserved for those with the official title. Exactly. And that I think is is critical because sometimes we leave this type of stuff to the professional ministers. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Like professional Christians um get to do this stuff and you know, pew Christians who be like, "Oh no, well I gave my tithe, so I'm cool." Like I'm helping. Sure. I'm I'm assisting them in doing this stuff. Um, but he's not saying that you, hey, church member, you were um exempt from this applying to you because you weren't a professional Christian. Um, he's saying at the end of the age, at the end of the day, this is how people are gonna be separated. Um, sheeps and the goats, those who are gonna be eternally uh, condemned and those who are going to be um, eternally rewarded. Um, but what I think is is also critical to point out in this particular scripture is that this is not formulaic. Um, so meaning I don't get into the kingdom by doing this stuff. Sure. Um, this is an identifier of people who are in the kingdom, but you can't enter into the kingdom Without going through Jesus. Correct. He is the way. Um, He is the truth. He is the life. So it's not that everybody who does good deeds is going to be in the kingdom. But those who do good good deeds, you will do good deeds if you are in the kingdom. If that makes sense. It does. And conversely, if you don't do these things, (laughs) the scripture specifically says... You're now in the goat line. Right, right. It clearly (laughs) says that towards the end of the chapter. Like, he cast them over. He has divided the sheep from the goat. And it's saying, because you did not do these things. Right. Here's your the the course you chart for the rest of eternity. Mm -hmm. So it's not a price of admission, Mm -hmm. but it will certainly preclude you from being there. And it's interesting. I, I just thought about this. I mentioned earlier about us sometimes... Um, innately feeling you know, some space to judge who is worthy, mm-hmm. who is on fell on hard times, or who quote got themselves in that situation. Mm-hmm. This chapter talks about that Christ is separating the the goats from the sheep. That's not our job to do, right? Exactly. So that he he is making a judgment there, rightfully so, mm-hmm. obviously for eternity. Um, but I just thought about that he is. That's his job. That's not our job to do. So mm-hmm. there's some context you and I have talked very pragmatically about um, perhaps, you know, attempting to help someone where the, you may feel like you're in an unsafe situation or things like that. That's that more daily walk. How does this play out when I'm trying to mm-hmm. to follow what Matthew was calling me to do? But outside of that, that that's different from a judgment call. But that goes back to where, where is your heart really? Right, right, right. And And again, back to this heart issue, the heart is the domain of the king. So if Jesus is ruling in the hearts of humankind, then there's going to be some action reflective of that in our lives. Um, He is fighting for space in our life to to rule our hearts because we do 
judge all the time. Absolutely. It's human nature. It's human nature to judge. And I think that this is something that we have to wrestle with and not sitting up here and even saying that we do this well, because I think you and I both know that we wrestle um, with these types of things all the time. Because you always have to make these judgment calls. Or, am I going to do this? Um, you know, what mind state am I in when this happens? Um, I can remember so many times, uh, just the other day, actually, I was downtown uh, and uh, I had to teach a class and I walked past, uh, I went in the 7-Eleven before the class and I needed to get something real quick. Um, there was a guy standing at the door inside of 7-Eleven who was asking for change. Um, so I gave him, you know, uh, some change that I had from, you know, my change from uh, my purchase um, I go outside and immediately outside, there's another guy asking for money too. And I didn't give him anything. Okay. And then, so I'm reflecting on that. And as I go into my class, I'm like, well, what made me give that one person something and not the other one? And I don't know that I had a great answer, but part of, I uh, think why I gave the first guy money was because he saw me get change. Oh, he he okay. saw me. He knew that I had money. Sure. Because he watched me engage in the, the transaction at the cash register. The other guy may not have, you know, he, he didn't ha I didn't have that immediacy there. Um, and there, it, everything happened very quickly. Sure. But... It was in that moment where I wasn't, you know, so enamored by Jesus and seeing the Jesus in everybody that I'm just giving it out here. You get some change. You get some change. Um, but I made a decision and that decision was not necessarily based on um, my kingdom thinking. It was based on the practicality of the situation. I would offer that there was some level of conviction there. Mm hmm. Because, like you said, he saw you. He saw your transaction take place. So I can't say I don't have cash. So now I would be voluntarily saying either no mm -hmm. or I don't have any cash. And he saw your transaction. So not conviction in a bad way, but even that, I think that's a tenderness or a soft place in your heart too. Not wanting to do that and maybe mm -hmm. just from an accountability standpoint too yeah. and in a very day-to-day -day term awkward yeah really yeah. <laughs> awkward. I'm right here yeah. like I'm gonna be like no no because really it's no I don't want to give it to you yeah uh that's the that's the real answer and that's a hard pill to swallow <laughs> right like, like that's is that really what I'm saying right every time? like yeah. if we actually answered people who asked us for money with the honest answer um, it would probably reveal the darkness in our hearts sure. a lot clearer. It's like, no, I don't like the way you look. Or, no, I don't think you're going to use this for good purposes. Or you got yourself here. Right. What did you do wrong to get here? Right. You've been here for five years. Every time I walk by, you're still not doing anything yet? But that sounds like I'm handing out goat name tags. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Goat name tags. Hashtag. Hashtag. I like it. <laughs> but... That's not my job. And that's what the scripture is saying. He's doing it. Christ is doing that. Right. It's, it's telling me, look for the God in, in, in whomever or the opportunity. Because I also don't want us to solely focus on, even though the scripture reads it as giving to these this individual or not giving to this individual, 
but that there are other opportunities just as life and life continues on and technology continues. It may be your ability to volunteer somewhere. It may be mm-hmm. your ability to participate or invest in an organization, whatever it is. It's not just, okay, well, I'm good because I gave to these people. It's wherever mm-hmm. your heart is being pulled by the Holy Spirit to give of yourself, to, to see him mm-hmm. in that person, that opportunity, that environment, that situation whatever it is, but I, we do this very quick judgment and I've done it too. Mm-hmm. Even to at, in the office, when someone asks you for help, you know, yeah. I do a judge, you, people do judgment calls on, <laughs> do I, do I have time to work with this person right now? Why mm-hmm. do I have time to work with this person, but not that person? Mm-hmm. It may be because I know this person tends to be really concise and I can help them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. This other person is going to usurp a good hour and I just don't have it right, right now. Right. Or I don't feel like it. Right. That we do all of that happens in our brain very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And that's another way of doing giving to the least of these. Because mm-hmm. the person who takes up more time might be in need of community, friendship, you know, connection. And that's why they end up talking to you longer. Sure. So, but we would consider that person the least because they don't fit into my schedule. Correct. Like, no, I don't, I don't have time for you. You bother me. Go yeah. away. <laughs> and sometimes that's very true. You know, a difference in personality or you're just like, I can't go there down that rabbit hole right, right now. Right, right, I just can't. And sometimes I find, especially in the workplace, it's important for me to not just respond instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Try to think for a second. How can I make this work? Or, you know, try to maybe schedule an appointment, whatever mm-hmm. it is. But I, there's a lot, I, I do realize and own that there are a lot of quick judgments that happen every day, all day. Mm-hmm. Especially now, you know, as I'm working, I have a larger staff working for me. I'm constantly having to make those decisions. Mm-hmm. And my goal is to be more mindful. Right. Because I'm, if I'm mindful of what's going on or what the situation is, to me, being mindful is looking for the Christ in them. Yeah. Not in a deep esoteric way, but if I'm more mindful about what that person's need is, I'm able to work to at least try to better meet it as opposed to just dismissing and giving them a good name tag. <laughs> right. No, no good name tag. No good name tag. <laughs> <laughs> but and I do think that they're... Um, we probably would say that if Jesus showed up right now, we would be all enamored by him. We'd love him. We'd take care of him. We'd give him whatever he needed, anything he asked for. But the reality is he's saying that I am these people. Um, not even just that I'm in these people, but I am them. So if you are not, if you're ignoring them, if you're completely oblivious to their existence, if you're dehumanizing them, then you have done that to me. He's, I think this scripture shows Jesus taking this personally. Okay. He says, you did, you didn't do that to them. You did it to me. He is identifying himself personally as these people. So the very person who might, you know, worship God one day, um, and be, you know, fall out in tongues and roll around on the floor and run around the whole room because uh, your name and brought the Holy Spirit. We could also be the person the next day that completely ignores, you know, somebody who would qualify as the least of these. And Jesus is saying, that's me you did that to. So you can't say that if I showed up, 
so to speak, in front of you that you would um, you know, identify me, you would know who I am, because I am these people. Jesus is um, taking this real personally. I, I see, yeah, I agree. I see, I see what you're saying. And I will also offer that using your example of if he, he showed up today, we would fall at his feet. I think the humans in us would do that if he showed up in the way we think exactly. Christ looks. Right, how she right. appears. This glorious, beaming, radiant light that I can't even look into. I've got to look away, mm-hmm. as so many people in the scripture did, where they could only see a part of his glory. Right. If it's none of that, <laughs> we'll see it. I might miss him. Exactly. And <laughs> these people in chapter four, I mean, verse 41, missed them. They missed them. Because he didn't look like what they expected him to look like. And I think part of the takeaway there is if we're looking for the Christ in someone, it's almost like assume they're there. Assume he's there. Right. Right. You got to, no matter what they look like. You can't lose. Right. Right. You, if you're wrong on on that side of things, you're probably safer because eternal damnation is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Um, it's, you're probably safer being wrong on that end than you are in ignoring um, or thinking that Jesus don't look like that. Um, and you, I mean, you brought it out. We, we expect things in a particular way. And when they don't show up like that, we judge it as being God or not God. But when Jesus showed up, they didn't recognize him either. That's why they crucified him. They're like, you can't be the Messiah. Because you don't look the way we thought he was going to look. Right. And they missed him. And he's saying that we do the same thing every day uh, when we miss him in the people that we overlook, the people who we don't think look like Jesus. So um, specifically getting into how this relates to money and our resources, how we use our resources, this is certainly uh, a litmus test of how how we give, how we share, how we commune um, in seeking the kingdom, part of what how that relates to how we handle money is in this deserving versus undeserving uh, blessing, so to speak, that we want to give to people. We think that there are certain people who deserve what we have to give and there's certain people who don't. Um, and that judgment I think is what we're being cautioned against, particularly when it applies to um, the throwaways of society. Um, In this particular verse, he's talking about the prisoners, the hungry, the poor, the sick, um, the people who are easily overlooked because they don't fit into our agenda, they don't fit into our molds, they make us uncomfortable, um, we judge them or whatever the case may be. Agreed. I just thought about also, just like in the Old Testament, just like in the Bible in general, when Christ came to earth in human form, those that were already here on earth did not get to decide how he looked. They didn't get to decide that he would be the natural son of a carpenter, Mm -hmm. that he would... You know, just kind of not, I won't say wander, but very in a very humble lifestyle, kind of walk the earth. Mm -hmm. So we don't get to decide how Jesus shows up. Like, you know, again, this this beam of light didn't show up, so it must not be God. And that goes back to entertaining angels unaware. Mm -hmm. And all of that is connected. And if we're looking for Christ 
the Christ in each other, that's connecting us. That's a, If I see the Christ in this person, we don't have anything else in common. They don't look like me. They're not from the same part of the world, country, state, county as me. They pledge a different sorority. They, like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but if I can find Christ in them, mm-hmm. or see, just see and assume, just, just take it that just Christ is there, there, then I found a connection. I've humanized mm-hmm. that person, you know. Mm-hmm. Not to jump on a... a current events uh, topic, but oftentimes when there are challenges with law enforcement or other areas, Mm -hmm. we talk about seeing the human side of the other person, whether it's law enforcement or, you know, challenges with race and ethnicity, it's seeing the human side of the person and looking for the commonalities, not the differences. And there's this Instagram page. I won't say what it is because I don't know what the rules are with copyrights and things oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. But there's an Instagram page that speaks, basically picks up everyday people's stories. Sometimes they show the picture of the person, their face. Sometimes they just show their hands or feet or what have you, and they remain anonymous. But they kind of talk about their story in life. And it's like mm. they're in this large city just sharing who they are or what happened to them. And you may never know that walking down the street, passing them, mm-hmm. but just reading that story, you're seeing something that may be similar to you. Mm-hmm. But if that person was in dire need, what if on the street, I looked at, look for just the commonality of they're a real person. They're going through something or not. I just want to show Christ, Christ's love to them so yeah. that maybe they can see Christ in me. Right. Yeah, Bit of a tangent, but. Well, no, and relevant yeah. um, because you never know somebody's story unless you get to know them and they they choose to reveal that story right so um i think in corinthians where it talks about love um that love actually it doesn't assume the worst it assumes the best essentially um sure love is patient love is kind and but love always hopes hopes for all things believes all things endures. uh, endures all things um, you hope for the best when you're loving somebody. You don't assume the worst in them. Um, if That's you're, faith. Right. You're having faith that this is a person who God loves, that God, that could be one of God's sheep. I don't know if they're a sheep or a goat. The question <laughs> is, are you a sheep or a goat? <laughs> but I, I should err on the side of a sheep. Sure. Um, and engage in that way. And so... When these moments of conviction do come up, I think it's important that we acknowledge them um, because that is the Holy Spirit in us saying, hey, something's off here. Um, Got it. This is this is that war between the flesh and the spirit because they won't agree. Um, And so if that's the case, we don't have to, you know, consistently beat ourselves up about it. But being aware of that, that this is our tendency, we are going to err on the side of moving away from people who make us uncomfortable, whether it be poor people or different races, different uh, genders, whatever it is, people who make us uncomfortable, we ignore uh, and we try to um, act like they're not even here. And Jesus is saying, you can't ignore that or them and think that you love me. Right. So as the identified layperson of the show today, (laughs) I would offer to pose a question that I would say, you know, so what does this look like in real life? Mm -hmm. How do I walk this out pragmatically? You know, part of the intention of your show, Shana, is 
the intersection of faith and finances. (laughs) So in trying to find that intersection and a positive note for intersectionality, Mm -hmm. um, what does that look like every day? Does that mean I have to give away everything I have to everybody? And if I do walk past someone or choose not to donate to some cause, my time, money, resources, knowledge, expertise, am I then wrong? Am I then a goat? Am I being judgmental? Like, is that, that may sound like missionary work. And I'm not a missionary in the state that we tend to think of as missionaries. I know that's a whole different topic, but from just how do I walk that out Mm -hmm. every day? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, I can't say that I have the end-all, be-all of answers. Oh, to I'm disappointed. Uh, sorry to disappoint you. Um, but I can say that, number one, I do think it, it, it takes an awareness of, number one, who you are. If you definitely believe that you are a sheep, uh, a follower of Christ, then there's going to be um, these promptings by the Holy Spirit um, if you're connecting with him in that in that moment, you're going to be prompted, and you can probably identify even now times where you knew that this was kind of the Lord leading you. Like, no, I, I want you to give to this person. No, do I feel like I really should do this? Sure. Um, I think it takes an awareness of the presence of God uh, being with you. Um, I think it also is important to be prayerful um, because there are times we could go around just giving away everything, but. That's not necessarily wisdom, and that's not necessarily what he's calling for us to do, even. Uh, I don't think even in this text. I think he's calling for us to be aware of the fact that there are people that will be considered castaways and cast-offs in our society, and we, if we belong to him, we'll have a heart for them in some capacity. But also being aware of our biases, like number one, confession. I would say confession is probably a good practical step. Number one, acknowledge that you're not good all the time. Absolutely. <laughs> that you you have days where you're just not going to be in a giving mood, where you are tired, where you're frustrated, where you um, judge people um, and decide that this is not, these, this person is not worth it. I think confession is good. And... Um, that way you can also pray and ask God to help you. If you know that this is an issue, we know that we can't do these kinds of things on our own, but we can ask for help to do it. Like now, you know, having that incident the other day, um, now I'm a little more aware of the fact that I'm doing this. So now I'm asking God to help me, help me be better, help me to um, not be so judgmental when I see people, especially when I have it, um, help me to not fall into to this trap because I'm aware of it. So I don't think it's as simple as, yes, just give to everybody. I think it does take discernment because there may be times where God says, no, don't, don't give them any money because there are certainly instances in scripture where they didn't have money to give or didn't give money that they had. Um, but be discerning about what they might need. Maybe that person does need a meal instead. Maybe they just need somebody to talk to. That's a good point. Um, it, it's not money's not always the answer to um, what to what the least of these need. And sometimes we make money an easy answer, um, but sometimes it's actually the more 
difficult thing to give of your time. Um, in your, your example at work, where you have the coworker or somebody at the job who you know takes up a lot of your time, but maybe they're lonely. Sure. So it costs you more to give of your time than it would be to buy them something. Um, so I think that that is um, being discerning about what the need is in that moment and asking God for help is a good place to start. I think you raise a good point also that while we all, you know, we, we work hard for money, you know, to, to get work is often the venue that God uh, sends us our resources. And, and sometimes when we, we feel good when we, we give money or we, we give someone something and that tends to be the default answer. And it may be easy because I give it and I'm done. But to your point about that investing that time, in addition to that being an investment, we all know you never get your time back. Right. There's also a sense of vulnerability to be able to sit with that person mm-hmm. and a level of intimacy mm-hmm. um, on various levels to, to have a conversation, to be open enough that they'll share whatever it is that they're going to share. So it may be that in some of our judgment or goat assigning, if you will, it's a barrier for us. It's mm-hmm. Oftentimes throughout the scripture, when someone the the challenges that people ran up against was something that something that they didn't like was um in someone else was the issue for them. Right. right and I said right. a lot of words and did not say that as articulately as I should have, but <laughs> I think or even right. even in relationships, you know, if there's something with a spouse, a friend, a family member that just rubbed you the wrong way, mm-hmm. our mental health professionals would offer mm-hmm. That's a flag. Let's talk about it. There's right. there's something there. There's a rub, and quite often it's something internal that right. either you don't like about you or is a challenge for you mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit is, is wanting you to pay attention to. Right. So there there's there's a space where I do sometimes think, and I said it to you earlier, none of this may be about the person that's asking for the money. Right. Right. None of it. It could solely be. And I said asking for the money because that was the example that we used. But in general, for whatever the need is, mm-hmm. it may be that it's to sharpen a skill in in us. Right. Um, it is to make us aware of a space we need to work on mm-hmm. and to make us aware or drive us into prayer more to work on this thing. While I was really uncomfortable when that happened, mm-hmm. that I didn't know that was a thing. I wouldn't have known it. Without this ask being made, so it may have nothing to do with that person. It may not. It may be God saying, "This is this is a mirror for you today. Um, I want to show you you." And quite often, um, we don't know what we look like, uh, especially Very true. when we don't look good, uh, or we want to avoid mirrors when we don't look good. Sure. <laughs> so sure. we don't want to see the evil in us, the the darkness in us, the um, the bad parts of, about us that the the least of these reveal. I think that, you know, not to get political, but in our country and how we treat the least of these in our society says a lot about what we do um, or what we value. And um, Solomon, uh, 
as we pointed out in the previous episode, was judged by the least of these in the kingdom. And so if the least of these are being ignored, if the least of these are um, being overlooked, uh, abused, oppressed, um, then that's probably revealing something about us. Uh, we see something in them that we don't want to be true for ourselves. Sure. Um, if we hate poverty and everything associated with it, we probably don't have any poor friends. Um, if we, because it requires a level of intimacy that makes us uncomfortable, because um, it may may require something of me. It may require some uh, connection. It may require me to help them out in some way, and maybe I don't want that to happen. So I'm just gonna hang around people who don't ask me for money. <laughs> and it could be that was my previous life. Right. And so it's a and reflection of where I was before and I vowed never to be in that space again. Right. Um, we keep talking about the least of things and I'm thinking about it as a continuum. We all have different perspectives. So mm-hmm. for those, you know, that, that group of people who feel, you know, or may fall into these the systemic titles of middle class or whatever it is, on the continuum, we're a level of least of these to someone else. Right, and right, right. We, they, whomever. Um, yeah. And it's all relative. So if everyone is looking for the Christ in each other, we all set ourselves up, <clears throat> excuse me, to at least be considered labeled a sheep. Mm-hmm. And it may be that someone's on the least of the continuum of the least of these when it comes to finances or resources or jobs. But that person that is well off in that area, you know, those folks in the 1% or 20%, how, you know, whatever group you want to put, however you want to bookend it are the least of these in some other areas. Right. Right. They're so the they least. may be least of these in relationships. Sure. In uh, character. Absolutely. Um, all kinds of... In servanthood, in communication, in whatever mm-hmm. it is. If you're thinking about work, you know, in being able to prioritize things. You know, we all have a space of weakness. We all mm-hmm. have a space where we need assistance from somewhere else. So mm-hmm. as we're also... The other thing, as we're looking for the Christ in the person and that being the connection between the two of us, two of us the mirror or the reflection may also be there are some spaces where I'm the least of these in mm-hmm. some other areas where I am lacking right? and I can't do it myself. Right. I'm, I'm going to need someone's help. Right. And I think that is a, um, a wonderful picture of us receiving the grace of God. Sure. Because quite often in, um, you know, in a lot of ways, people think that self-sufficiency is the way to godliness that my if I can do everything myself if I can shore up every weakness in my life um, then I will be acceptable to God but acknowledging the fact that you cannot do that um, that there's a space that your winning personality your good looks your uh, good deeds all of that is actually going to fall short that there's a weakness. I can't save myself. That is the first weakness that we should all acknowledge. I can't save myself. 
I would say that self-sufficiency is a fallacy. It is. The moment <laughs> that I think that I could do that, I, I've got an issue. I've got a bigger issue than whatever those other weaknesses we talked about before. That's the whole premise of Christ. Right. Exactly. That's the whole premise. None of this is on your own. None of this is of your own doing. Right. You can't earn, like we talked earlier, you can't earn your way into the kingdom. Mm-hmm. You can serve others as a believer in Christ and you're doing it for him. And, you know, what you do for Christ will last and all those other things we hear years and years um, and years in church. But it's not about what you can do for yourself. You do for others because that's what Christ instructs us to do. But any place you arrive, whether tangibly in life, spiritually, learning more about the word has nothing to do with your ability. Right. That's the whole point. When you come to Christ, you realize I'm not doing good at this on my own. Mm -hmm. I am not doing well at this by myself. I need some outside help. And then I'm pricked. My soul is pricked that whatever word I heard, whatever was provided, this is the, this is where I get that. Right. So that whole, I've done it myself where I can do it myself. We, we do it a lot of different areas and it's usually the area we feel most confident in. Exactly. But I think it's important to realize that even in those spaces where I think I've got that covered, Mm -hmm. still not so much. Right. Exactly. And, and, that realization, I think, is one of the reasons why he's separating the sheep from the goats. Sheep would acknowledge weakness. Um, sheep would acknowledge their dependency um, on the master, the shepherd uh, himself. And in that, you would have um, you would have then, if you receive grace because you know that you can't do it on your own then it's only right that you extend that for someone else. And so when I don't do that, I'm essentially saying I did this by myself, that my position in life, I've arrived at on my own. I didn't get help from from God at all. I did it. And if I did it, then you should do it. And that's where you get this lift yourself up from the bootstraps kind of mentality. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) That's where, you know, I did it. So why can't you do it? Um, and then you end up judging people who don't have what you have when you don't acknowledge that what you had came from God and not by yourself. And so you judge these people. You say they're not like me. They're lazy. They're good for nothing um, because you yourself forgot or never knew um, where your help came from. And there is one thing that you cannot do on your own and that is save yourself. So uh, this is clear here that he's saying, um, you identify yourself as one of my sheep, then you're also going to be extending this the same love and grace that you need. You need to extend it to others. And we have a short memory. Oh, yeah. So when we individually, you know, individually, when we arrive somewhere, oftentimes we forget about the struggle mm-hmm. to get there. and what we needed extra uh, I can't even get that word out right now what we needed externally mm-hmm. to help get us there and so we do that judgment oh well figure it out yourself right or the assumption that what Christ gave me to help me get to wherever I am or am going to end up going 
is the same thing that you or someone else will need to get to where you're going. Mm -hmm. So that gets into that space of equality versus fairness versus Mm -hmm. equity. You know, we all can be at the same level viewing the same thing, but but how do we get there? Right. You know, right. That I have more obstacles, that you have more wins, you know, there everyone has their own personal journey. And that's again getting into vote name assignment. Mm-hmm. If we're trying to create that backstory, they have their backstory. They don't need us to create it. Right, right. They lived it. They know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to give them a backstory in our head. And it's it's really not about them. Right. They so yes, them, me, whomever the person is. Uh, they are the beneficiaries of me walking out what I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they're a, a tool that God might use, I hesitate to say the word, to continue to sharpen us. Relationships are tools that God uses to sharpen us in him. If we belong to him, then he's going to, to do these things. And so I think that... Um, these lessons are important uh, for us to remember that even in how we handle resources and who we think deserves the resources is a reflection of our faith. It's a reflection of where we are in God in that given moment. And it's a reflection of our hope for um, the kingdom itself to come. Because we're also acknowledging that there is a day when none of this is going to matter. Right. When um, how much money you had or how good you smelled or how much time you spent in prison or not in prison, where none of that's going to matter, when it's going to come down to one of two things. Are you a sheep or are you a goat? And if we keep that kind of at the forefront, um, then a lot of other things start to become a little less important. And we prayerfully will become less judgmental of one another in that sense. So any parting thoughts for our people? Um, I actually thought about something while you were um, just making that last statement, you know, getting to, you know, at the end of it all, you know, there, there's a finite in, in the space and in space and time mm-hmm. as we know it. And this scripture is talking about, you know, both people entering into the kingdom or not. It makes you think about while we're here now, is it all for naught? Is it is it worth it? You know, is it worth it? We Shane and I talked earlier about is it worth it being to be judicious with your funds to to be able to to give and help and do, or does it matter? Because at the end of the day, God's gonna make his judgment and that's the end of it. That is a Something that I think is one of those ongoing questions, um, the answer that I tend to see is that big picture, because God's big picture is way more than we could even understand. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know. The big picture. Right. Very, very big picture. But while we're here, we're tasked to do some things in our in, in our discussion about money or, or just resources in general. We're to be good stewards. And what is that? That doesn't mean buried in the ground, there's scripture about what happens when you bury your talents <laughs> in the ground. Right. Um, but it, I think it's to be open 
to how he wants to use you. And it right. may not be the same all the time. And mm-hmm. be able to ebb and flow with it. That's not natural for a lot of us. We like outlines. We like a plan. Mm-hmm. And that if we're constantly putting God in a box to operate in the way that works for us, we're not being stretched. Right. Even if we didn't ask to be stretched. Right. But, you know. We rarely ask to be stretched. <laughs> I sure don't. <laughs> no um, but he is... He is revealing the kingdom um, bit by bit, moment by moment. Um, and he said he's going to return and put it all in perspective one day. So come, Lord Jesus, um, as we often pray. So uh, thank you, Carrie, for all of your uh, theological input. And I thought I was a lay person today. You are, but I think you've just been <laughs> elevated to, uh, <laughs> no, thank you. to a little something, something. Um, thank you for having me quite welcome Um, thank you for listening and uh, be sure to tune in to our next episode of Seeking First I am uh, your hostess Shana Harvey from Insights Total Stewardship Uh, you can find us on the web www.getinsightts.com I'm also on Facebook uh, Insight Total Stewardship if you want to like our page uh, like away you can also find us on Instagram, even though I don't post a lot there, but I'm trying. I'm getting better. Y'all pray for me. Um, but yeah, we hope to see you out there in the, the web world. Until next time, be blessed.